0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is the crazy cool Jonathan
1: Strickland. Free bird! Free free bird? Free, free, free bird! I'm I'm shouting out my request for your band.
0: Free bird! Uh, You're a day late, Jonathan.
1: Well, and I was there. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah uh, we we come to you a day later than usual because of lots of life was busy this past week, especially Ooh, for Ariel. Yes. Well, yes, Ariel has has various gigs to do, especially uh, her her band playing at the gig we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. It all went very well. I can report that uh, uh, her band sounded great, oh. and it was a lot of fun.
0: Well, thank you, Jonathan. We had a lot of fun doing it. Um, if if you listen and you were there, uh, like I know my bandmate listens, so this doesn't really count for her. But if you listened and you were there, thank you for showing up. Uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun. I am super tired today uh, <laughs> and a little bit hoarse. I don't know if you can all hear that. Or maybe it's just, you know, my sexy vocal fry. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I just also- like, to,
1: I like to say that uh, Ariel's doing a genuine pony. She's a little hoarse.
0: <laughs> also because uh we won't have an episode next Friday Jonathan is going to South by Southwest so this kind of fills out that space just a little bit more.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we apologize ahead of time for a lack of an episode uh this coming week. But yeah, as Ariel said, I will be in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's a work trip. I'm just there for the weekend to do a panel and then I'll be coming back. So we should be back to normal following that don't hold us to it but that's the plan
0: (laughs) yeah our goal is always to do like some buffer episodes but this was this is kind of a last minute schedule change for you i know so
1: yeah um, yeah it's wild to get a text message out of nowhere saying hey do you want to go to south by southwest for a panel for us and i think that's a very casual way to ask if I will participate, because, I mean, you figured that the panel thing that already had to be in motion well before I got that text message. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun if you're in Austin, Texas, and you happen by the St. Cecilia Hotel and you see me, you can wave. Uh, I will not <laughs> answer your I will not answer your questions because you have to go through way more steps than that. <laughs>
0: We'll find out about that at the end. Um, Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not surprised they want you on their panel because you are super cool. Uh, Yeah, so uh, we get a lot of news to talk about this week. Um, A lot of fun, geeky stuff. Some, like, stuff that didn't, that I saw and didn't necessarily come across as geeky to me, but when Jonathan saw it, he goes, yes, this needs to be added, and I think he was right. Um, So we're very excited to talk about all that, but uh, first we're going to do 30 seconds or less her usual mm-hmm. um and we're the first 30 seconds or less is not it's not a story that it really deserves to be in a 30 seconds or less so it's just kind of we're just starting off with it um <laughs> which is that uh rico browning uh who was a like an underwater stunt person mm-hmm. an actor passed away recently um most famous for being the gill man in the creature from the black lagoon Uh, Our, our thoughts. Uh, He also was integral in creating this show and franchise flipper. Um, Just did a whole bunch of, of really cool swim stunt type stuff. Uh, Our, our uh, thoughts go out to your family.
1: Yes. Yeah. He, he, uh, if you look for YouTube videos for interviews with him, uh, there are a lot of, of, of interviews where people went to like conventions that he was appearing at and stuff. He always came across as genuine and friendly and enthusiastic and uh yeah uh, i know that ariel was probably touched by this because she mm-hmm. has a very strong fondness for the the creature feature uh filmography and mythos yes
0: yes definitely
1: well our next one is a story that made made me a little puzzled dead by daylight the video game the computer game is being made into a film if you're not familiar with that game it's a an asynchronous cooperative competitive game where one person plays a killer and the other people play survivors who are trying to escape the killer. The reason why I think it's weird is that a lot of dead by daylight characters are either directly inspired by or are famous film monsters. So I'm curious to see what the movie is actually going to be.
0: Yeah, it, it feels like a weird one to me just because if I can't be the killer, then what's the point? Uh, no, um, uh, okay <laughs> next story is that uh, we've got some cast announcements for the final season of Umbrella Academy which Jonathan still has not watched and is sorely missing out on Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally, uh who if you don't know they're married uh, Nick Offerman was Ron Swanson in uh, Parks and Rec he was also in episode three of Uh, The Last of Us. Megan Mullally uh, has done many things, but I know her most as Karen from uh, Willie Grace. And then David Cross, who was the Never Nude in Arrested Development, are all joining. Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally will be playing a married couple, college professors. And uh, David Cross will be playing a business owner who uh, is trying to reconnect with his daughter at any cost. So I, I look forward to these great uh actors joining the cast they're really good at doing a good mix of like serious and quirky
1: yeah Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally are really good at playing a married couple because they're a married couple
0: yes I, uh, I mean I did say they were married
1: yeah <laughs> well I'm saying like like they'll be very good at it they've also played exes because they were both in Parks and Rec I, and she she played the crazy to say, librarian, they make amazing exes oh yeah they make no they're, they're 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 phenomenal on stage first of all they're phenomenal on stage or or on screen by themselves period but they're so good together as well uh it's it's really entertaining stuff okay here's my next one so you remember Stranger Things? Well no. now there's a, now there's going to be a play version. <laughs> uh, Ariel, you don't count. So anyway, Stranger Things is getting a stage play at London's Phoenix Theatre. It is called Stranger Things: The First Shadow. Uh, no casting announced yet, so we don't know who will be playing the various kids and or monsters. So uh, I thought this was an interesting little discussion. That uh, this is uh, gonna be a play because I don't really think of stranger things as something that would be easy to convert to the stage.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, also something that's going to be interesting is Arnold Schwarzenegger is getting his own Netflix series called FUBAR, uh, where he's a CIA operative on the verge of retirement and he discovers a family secret and he has to go back into the field for one last job. It's like an action comedy. So, uh, like the people I have been seeing talk about it are kind of comparing it to true lies, which is also coming out. It's filming in Atlanta right now. Um, You know, it, it's interesting. Um, It, it, the teaser trailer shows very little, but it's not at all what I expected from the description.
1: Mm. Yeah. uh, The true lies that's shooting in Atlanta is a series Yes. And uh, uh, obviously the true lies that that came out in theaters was a film. So it'll be fun to see how they stretch a already thin premise into an ongoing series. All right. uh, Here's my next one that is going to be real tricky to talk about. So there's a film called Glorious It has a trailer out about it. It's a horror kind of comedy film. It is not safe for the family, so don't go watching it if you got little ones. Uh, And all I can really say about it is that J.K. Simmons is voicing an old ones style god that is trapped in a bathroom at a rest stop. And uh, the less said about the particulars, perhaps the better on our family friendly podcast.
0: Yes, but. Before you go looking for it, if you don't like raunchy horror comedy, maybe don't watch
1: it. Um, I I think you can broaden your horizons. I made Ariel watch it on purpose.
0: I'm not happy about that. Okay, Uh, (laughs) last one. AMC Movie Theaters is releasing their own brand of microwavable popcorn. You can get... movie butter you can get lightly salted and you can get extra butter the really cool thing about it is that uh if you get the extra butter you actually get some liquid movie theater butter that you can pour on top uh amc is very excited about it it's coming to walmart uh i think march 11th on some end caps and then later on in most walmarts um i sometimes like microwave popcorn i like fresh pop popcorn better but um occasionally microwave will do and i'm interested to try this because i actually do like amc popcorn movie theater popcorn has such a a unique quality to it so
1: yeah and if you buy it in bulk it actually comes with its own surly teenager who will uh, put it in a bag and then and then hand it over to you and then overcharge you for it
0: yeah it's look we did a whole we did a whole thing about Walmart and price dynamics on business on the brink, I think with our pickle episode. Uh, <laughs> hopefully this won't be the same. Hope, hopefully people have learned and this will not be the same.
1: Well, and, um, and I, I'm just going to also say before we move into into the episode, which Ariel's eager to get to because it's about 30. 30- news items long.
0: Yeah, so these these may not be much longer than what or, or shorter than the 30 second. I don't even know how to say that. They may, we might talk about each about the same amount of time as we've been doing. Well, <laughs> I was
1: yeah. going to say that that I am a, I am not a fan of microwave popcorn uh because and I I assume this is mostly psychosomatic. I don't think there's anything that's actually I don't know, maybe the fumes being given off by microwave popcorn are to are at fault, but uh I have often developed migraine headaches after Mm -hmm. being around uh, microwave popcorn to the point where I would request my coworkers to just give me a heads up if they were going to have some so I could go work in a different uh, office temporarily. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want them to not have a snack, but I can't Mm -hmm. work if I've got a migraine.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure. You just, they, they have to earn their snacks. I get it. Now question, question for you. I know it's been a long time. Well, not as long. I know you don't frequent the theater as much as you used to. Do you get the same sort of reaction to movie theater popcorn?
1: No, because it's been air popped. There you go. There, I think it's something, some chemical that's in
0: the
1: maybe not even all microwave popcorn, but some of them have something that sets me off. Uh, so but yeah, if I walk into a theater like a movie theater and there's the smell of popcorn there, that doesn't do anything to me. So I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's psychosomatic, which it probably is. It's probably just my brain deciding that it hates me, which I get. I, I'm I'm a terrible person, but I, yeah. I don't
0: but know. Uh, well, I, I'm not going to judge you. Look, I can't do spicy foods because I have uh, at at best I have an intolerance, and at worst I have an allergy to nightshades, which I'm sure everybody who listens already knows. Uh, but even if I smell something that's super spicy, I start feeling bad like yeah i start i start feeling like i should not be there and mm-hmm. like we have some taco truck jelly beans and one of the flavors is uh like spicy salsa i don't think there's any tomato actually in it but it tastes so similar to jalapeno and tomato that like i have to spit it out my body just goes no so um i'm not gonna there there's no judgment for microwave popcorn um yeah you know, I, i'll it say does this smell different
1: Ariel has a lot of restrictions on things that she can eat that do not make her feel bad afterward. And yet she's also one of the most phenomenal bakers you'll ever meet. So she (laughs) is like, she's, she's crazy in the kitchen, which is amazing, considering all the limitations she has to work
0: through. Most of the stuff that I can't eat goes into savory. I don't hardly ever cook with potato starch. Everything else is like paprika, tomatoes, eggplant. Which I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be real honest here. I totally cheated. Maybe part of the reason I've got a sore throat today is because when I got done with my gig, I have this thing where like my allergy is not so bad that it sends me to the hospital. It has been getting worse, but it used to be that after I got done with a musical where I did not touch anything that would have a bad effect on me. I was super careful about labels because paprika and potato starch and spices are in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and spices often have like chili powder, or cayenne or whatever, which I can't have. Um, after a show, I would indulge in something like French fries or tater tots or b- before I started having a worse reaction to it, like spaghetti with real marinara as opposed to my tomato sauce. My tomato sauce is really good, but there's something about the real thing. I love these foods. They just don't love me. Uh, so last night I had a Guinness burger, which was a burger with mashed potatoes and Guinness
1: gravy on top. It wow. Was so good. It was so good. Where the uh, heck was that?
0: It's, there's a little uh, tavern near me called North River Tavern. It's actually oh, okay. where they filmed the uh, pub scenes for the movie tag.
1: So th- this was after the gig?
0: Yeah, they're open till uh, two. I
1: was about to say, this was a late night <laughs> burger, y'all, because she was still she was still rocking.
0: When oh, yeah. I left the
1: theater at, after 10 p.m. and I it's not close to where she lives.
0: <laughs> I didn't get food till like 1 a.m. Um but uh despite me reminding everybody to eat before the gig, very few of us actually did. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's uh that's TMI for most of you, I am sure. So, uh let's go on to other happy things other than me hurting myself with potatoes, which right. is we
1: we we have to talk first about what we've seen cuz that's what we do now. Oh. <laughs>
0: fine okay what have you seen
1: uh all right i'm all caught up on last of us what episode are you currently on are you still on three have you are you still on f- four or
0: i finished three i haven't started for- look i have been rehearsing so much for this gig i got it
1: day. i got it um yeah. we both saw episode eight of night court because last mm-hmm. week if you remember i said that i could not finish episode seven i just thought it was a terrible episode episode eight is better it's a definite return to form of old night court, like especially mm-hmm. the more zany episodes of night court where over the top, crazy things are happening. That same sort of thing is going on in that episode. So it felt like a real callback. And, uh, what else did I, Oh, I watched, no, I saw, talked about that last week. So that's cause I was about to say, I, I, I watched Megan.
0: I've been watching, uh, Vox Machina.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. The series that's based off critical role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, like I've, I've listened to some critical role. They're just even longer episodes than us, which is, uh, you know, a lot. Uh, but, uh, it's one of the things that like my husband and I will watch together. So we watch Fox Machina cause like he won't watch last of us with me. Not that he doesn't want to, but he wants to play the game first. I know I've said mm-hmm. that before. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we might, if we can find an empty theater, which I don't know, I hope not. It's getting really good reviews. We might go see Creed three.
1: Okay. Yeah. I've heard that that's uh, a really good film. I have, I I still haven't been out to the theater uh, since last time. So I still haven't seen quantum mania or anything like that.
0: I am. I really like the Creed movies. um, And I really, yeah, I think they've been really good. So I'm excited.
1: Cool. All right. Well now we can move on to the many, many, many news items we have. And first up, uh, so everyone who listens to me knows that I get real grouchy about live action remakes of Disney animated films, because I feel like they're kind of Mm -hmm. creatively bankrupt. Like a lot of Uh them end up being so similar to the animated version that you question, why is this even a thing? Like you're not making anything different.
0: Or, you know, like we talked about last week with Lilo and Stitch or Lion King, it's not really actually live.
1: Yeah. Uh, Action. Which is, interesting because we got the trailer for Peter Pan and Wendy, which we've talked about previously. We mm-hmm. talked about the fact that this is a live action Peter Pan story that's that Disney is putting out. We got the trailer and I actually thought it looked pre- the, that the story and the casting and all of that looked pretty good.
0: I agree. I um I think that it does something. So like the last pan movie that came out seemed to be all pretty and like this. The story wasn't great, but it was very, very visually stunning. This feels like they found a really good mix between story and just completely fantastical uh, visuals.
1: Yeah, it does. I have seen some criticism about the color grading for the the trailer that it looks a little too dull and dark. And I kind of get that. Like, I see it and I'm like, uh, yeah, it kind of has that feel of certain cinema from the early two thousands, where it is a little more muted in color and things like that. I get until that. you look at the mermaids, the mermaids are very, very bright, but like almost everything else is pretty drab. And I understand, I, I get that criticism. I don't necessarily disagree. Also the filmmaker, the director for this is the same person who directed the, the recent live action remake of uh, Pete's dragon. And I was so disenchanted with the trailers for that that i never bothered to see it so i i uh, it's weird for me to even make this argument but i thought that the what we saw on screen felt very peter pan ish and i'm not talking about the disney peter pan i'm talking no, it, about it, the it character felt very, peter pan
0: yeah it, i agree it felt very um uh, well it, it It very much gave me the same feeling as like when I read the book Peter Pan, which is a very dark book. Peter Pan is not a good guy, Um, except for Peter Pan seems a little bit nicer in this version.
1: Um. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know I've seen some people get very critical about the fact that that's another you know it's Disney remaking Peter Pan, and I'm thinking, well, if you know the history of Peter Pan, it originally was a stage play. Before it was a novel, it was a stage play back in 1904, and it has been you know, remounted numerous times with different actors, different set directors, you know, like like it's had so many different takes on this story that I'm not really it feels different to me than a lot of other Disney live action remakes because I think of it more as going back to the source material as opposed to let's just remake the cartoon. Although there are obvious nods to the cartoon. Like there's a mm-hmm. bit where they're all standing on the 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 tower that houses big Ben, which is straight from the cartoon. Like there are moments like that, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's cause I didn't see enough, but the trailer I saw made it feel very different. Or maybe it's because I haven't watched the animated one in so long. Maybe I'm just not seeing all the, the references and parallels, but it felt very different to me. Plus most importantly, I think everyone can agree with this. The most important thing, is that they put the hook on the correct hand (laughs) for Captain Hook. It's his right hand that is replaced with a hook, not his left hand. Almost every adaptation has Hook with his left hand replaced because it's way easier to teach a right-handed actor how to fight with a sword if they're using their right hand than it is to teach him to fight with their left. But the whole point in the story is that Hook is actually way more deadly with his hook than he is with his sword because it's on his dominant hand.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think it looks great. I'm super happy about that too, even though it's not like a sticking point for me, but, um, you know, I, I love some of the, the changes they've made to update it. Like some of the lost boys or girls. And, and I think that's fantastic. And they, they even call that out in the trailer and the girls are like, so what, but you aren't boys. So what? Uh, cause I very much felt that way as, as a, as a young girl with a lot of, uh, friends that were boys, you know, like, so what, I'm not a boy. I can still, you know, hang. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say I I 100% agree with you. I've seen comments that were negative about that because, I mean, there's always this response, right? There are certain people who I don't think are making arguments in good faith who are like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're going woke. And I'm thinking representation in film is a really important thing. And if you have enjoyed it your entire life, you obviously have no concept yeah. as to how important it is when you start to see it I, for yourself.
0: Yeah, look, I never wanted to be Wendy. Like, I love Peter Pan. I never wanted to be Wendy. I always wanted to be a lost boy. So that's super exciting to me. Honestly, I have not been this excited about a Peter Pan movie since the 2003 one we had where Jason Isaacs was Captain Hook.
1: Oh, he has the best, the best on screen Captain Hook moment in my opinion, like right behind it would be Dustin Hoffman and hook who gets to say the puling spawn, how I despise them. But Jason Isaacs is the one where he, he sneaks up on a log and he's looking over the log to spy on Peter Pan. And there's a little fairy next to him. And he just very casually says, I don't believe in fairies and kills it. And I'm like, that's amazing.
0: Look, that movie was so good. It, it had a, it wasn't Disney and it had a great balance between making Peter Pan accessible and still like touching on those darker moments uh, from the more original versions of the story. I'm surprised that you mentioned uh, Dustin Hoffman's Hook performance because I know you don't like Hook.
1: No, I don't Uh, like the, I don't like the movie Hook, but I love Dustin Hoffman's uh, interpretation of Captain Hook. I love- his version.
0: You're you are entitled. Well, I loved his version, too. You're entitled to not like Hook, even though I personally think uh, that's a shame. I was going to say you're wrong, but that's not true. It's just a shame. Um, But yes, I'm super excited about this. If you haven't caught the trailer, you should. I'm yeah, I'm this is the most exciting thing coming out of Disney as far as a remake that I've seen in quite a while. I'm probably more excited for this than I am for The Little Mermaid, quite honest.
1: Okay. well, don't don't spoil everything. Cause in like four more news stories, we're going to talk about another Disney movie and I oh. expect you to be excited about that too. But I will
0: be ex- okay.
1: Before we get to that though, <laughs> we have to talk about the fact there's also a new trailer for agent Elvis. If you remember, we previously talked about uh, the teaser for this and how I was a little thrown off because Elvis already seemed like preternaturally good at being an agent. And I thought that I wasn't sure where the humor was going to come from This trailer gives us a lot more of the humor. And let me tell you, um, if you are a fan of shows like Archer uh, or or Metalocalypse, where you have over the top violence and in some cases gore, that seems to be where the humor is going to come from based upon this longer trailer.
0: Yeah, it it's it's very Archer-esque. Like, I don't know. This trailer honestly personally made me a little bit less excited Mm because there was Mm -hmm. there was this sweetness to the first trailer.
1: Yep. No, I same page. Yeah, yeah, I felt I felt like it was almost like a bait and switch from the teaser because it looks like it's a lot. I mean, it still looks like it's going to be putting Elvis in the best light possible, which is not a surprise considering the fact that his whole family is behind it. But it 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 feels like it's trying to be one of those super edgy uh, and hyper violent cartoons like something like Metalocalypse or yeah. or uh, Archer Uh, and, uh, I agree. I feel like, uh, I feel like they kind of lost me on this trailer.
0: Yeah. Not that they had you super strong in the first one, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a step back. I, um, you know, I, I have no problem with his, his family being behind this and, and wanting to showcase him in a, in a fun secret agent way. The concept I think is fun. Um, I guess we'll just have to see when it comes out. Uh, the next the next trailer we have to talk about, I had no idea was a thing, but I'm I'm super excited because it's got Diego from Umbrella Academy in it and it's got Skyler from Breaking Bad in it. Um, It's called The Most Dangerous Game, New York. Does that mean there have been other most dangerous games before this or?
1: Yes, yes. So okay, so first, the original the original most dangerous game was a novel, like a pulp novel that got turned into a film back in like. The 40s, I want to say.
0: Was it? Okay, so it wasn't Stephen King.
1: (laughs) No, no. But you'd be forgiven for thinking that because there's a lot of overlap with the running man in this. Okay. So the original concept of most dangerous game is that you have this uh, this uber wealthy sociopath who traps people on his island so that he can hunt people because people are the most dangerous game game as in like game animal that you would hunt. So that's where that comes from. Uh, People who are familiar with the Zodiac Killer know that he was super into the film version of Most Dangerous Game. Well, there not too long ago was a series done Most Dangerous Game that was you know, played out and now we have Most Dangerous Game New York where, as the name suggests, it's set in New York and it very much is similar to the no, the short story, The Running Man, not the not the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but the short story in which uh, a a person is put into the position where they are going to be on the run, and they're on the run for a certain amount of time, and the more time that they're able to avoid capture or injury or death, the more money they earn until the time is up, and so the protagonist is the the person who's essentially earning a million dollars an hour as long as he can stay alive and remain uncaptured and then everybody else is after him so you get a little john wick in there a little running man in there and you've got most dangerous game new york
0: yeah it's interesting like i don't know i've never read the running uh, running man um i've never watched the most dangerous game it's it's a It's not as bad as The Long Walk to me, but it's still a concept that upsets me. They're like, there was talk about doing a reality. I think we talked about it Mm -hmm. before. A reality show based off The Running Man, which seems like the most stupid idea ever, just because it's so dangerous for the players.
1: Yeah, Ben Affleck was behind one of those. Once upon Now, this one was before we ever started doing Large Dardron Collider, but Ben Affleck was going to produce a show that was essentially The Running Man. The idea being that the person would uh, attempt to avoid capture and the entire audience would potentially be in on this and be able to capture somebody. And if they did, they would win a prize instead of the participant. And you just start to think this sounds like it is a recipe for people getting seriously hurt.
0: Yeah. Cause like uh, maybe a fun concept if everybody plays nicely is it and it's considerate, but People do not have good common sense. Individuals might. People as a general whole do not have good common sense and they don't make good decisions and they don't treat others with maybe the respect quite often with the re- definitely they don't treat them with the respect they deserve. So yeah, just not don't put somebody in that position. Don't do it.
1: Yeah. No, I think <laughs> do I think that's good. Keep it. Keep it to fiction and we're OK. Uh,
0: we're OK. I'm not still not great, but OK. Uh, speaking of OK. <laughs> uh, we,
1: <laughs> Which is still miles better than the original version of what we're about yes. to talk about.
0: <laughs> yes, we got a trailer for the new Haunted Mansion movie that's coming out. Everybody who I've shown this trailer to has been like, "Didn't we already get one of those movies recently?" Not recently. The last Haunted Mansion movie we got, based off of the Disney ride, the Haunted Mansion, was I think in two thousand three, two thousand thirteen. I, I can't and it was even Eddie Murphy. You. Yeah. Um. So and that was um. 2003 it was definitely an Eddie Murphy movie from that era
1: (laughs) yeah I never watched it because everything I saw about it uh just turned me off of it whereas the trailer for this one it it looks okay first of all it looks like it's made for kids which there's nothing wrong with that but like
0: scary for kids
1: scary for kids but like scary in a way that is safe for kids right like I I look at this and I think oh this kind of reminds me of some of the films and TV shows that were scary, but made for kids when like, I was growing up,
0: like maybe goosebumps or are you afraid of the dark or something? The,
1: that was bef- after my time, but yes, something along those <laughs> lines, I'm, I am old. I will remind I'll, you.
0: I'll keep, I'll keep mentioning Erie, Indiana, which was definitely after your time. Cause it was a little after my time. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to go back before that, but, uh, but no, this, and there are so many nods to the, the, various things you encounter in the haunted mansion ride from the wallpaper, which is iconic to the hat box ghost, which is a relatively new addition to the, the ride to, uh, you know, like the, the organist and all these kinds Mm
0: -hmm. of, the the pictures expanding.
1: Yep. Yeah. They have the stretching room, which is, yeah, (laughs) I I was surprised to see that in the trailer. I think it looks cute and fun. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think it's going to, I think there's going to be like adult Disney fans who are going to be disappointed that it doesn't look more. I don't know. Like it doesn't look more intense or something, but uh, I will also say as an adult Disney fan, adult Disney fans are cray cray.
0: Yes. Um, I'm excited about it. Cause as I have mentioned many times before, I had the pleasure of meeting Danny DeVita's stunt double. He told me he was coming to Atlanta shortly after I met him uh, to work on the haunted mansion and then another Danny DeVito film that will remain unnamed. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, like not like I'm friends with him, but it was cool to meet this, this other industry person um, and, and, and find out, you know, haunted mansion was filmed in in Atlanta. Uh, it's got a great cast. Yeah. It just looks fun. Um, I think we have some friends who are extras in it. So.
1: Oh, cool. So. Yeah, so we're kind of looking forward to Haunted Mansion, uh, uh, certainly more than the previous version of Haunted Mansion. I do not think this is going to take off the same way Pirates of the Caribbean did, but uh, it might do better than Jungle Cruise did.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think this was supposed to be a part of their whole like collective Disney adventuring world. So Jungle Cruise, Pirates, Haunted Mansion, you know, Mm -hmm. it talked about the, the thing I wanted the Adventurers Club to be a part of.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't uh, make any sense because Haunted Mansion is not in Adventure Land.
0: It's true. It's true. I don't it's know. It's either it in maybe...
1: Frontierland or it's okay. at Liberty or uh, uh, New Orleans Square.
0: Listen, maybe I'm just wishful thinking and making up my own memories. Uh, it's entirely <laughs> possible. Speaking of uh, making things up, uh, yes. let's talk about Up Here.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we got another trailer for a series called Up Here, And uh, I described it as crazy ex-girlfriend meets inside out because the series, it's a romantic comedy series and uh, has, uh, uh, May Whitman in it. And it, it follows a young woman (laughs) who has all these voices in her head that are played by actual actors, uh, who meet John Hodgman. Yes. John Hodgman. So, Hey, if you want to hear John Hodgman sing, you you can watch this series and get it. Uh, and then the young man also has voices in his head, also played by actors. And on top of that high concept, so you're like, oh, it's Inside Out, but with live actors. Kinda, but also it's a musical. And so you get a little Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in here too because of the whole, like, uh, there's, they're dealing a little bit with mental health. Uh, there's the musical aspect, which obviously Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was all about that as well. And I thought this looked interesting. It looked interesting enough for it to pique my interest beyond it being a rom-com, which typically, unless there's something really spectacular about it, I just don't have any desire to watch.
0: Um, I I wanna watch it. I like May Whitman. I also like Carlos Valdez who plays the 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 fellow with the voices in his head um he was previously cisco in the flash series he's also done a ton of broadway and he can he can play instruments and he can sing really well Mm. um so they did an entire musical episode of like the flash slash supergirl where you can kind of see him i I don't know if he sings at no one he better sing in that um but yeah uh he yeah he definitely should be in a musical show uh he's a he's a great actor he's a lot of fun to watch so um i'm gonna watch this series providing i still have Hulu at the time. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. I might, I might be asking you to, to summarize the episodes for me because as we all know, that's one of the streaming services I do not actually have.
0: Well, I'm, I, I may not have Hulu much longer. Um, but anyhow, or at least I might go, I may not have live cable Hulu anymore. How's that? Go. Um, cause that's expensive and I don't watch most of it. Most of the time, like at, at the most, what I'm doing is, watching an episode a couple hours after it airs, which is mm-hmm. not something you can do on like ad supported Hulu, but um, there's like a $60 cost difference. <laughs> so it's not worth it. Yikes. Um, Yeah. It, or it's not worth it for me right now. It has been worth it for me in the past. Um, Got it. Yeah. I get a question for you, Jonathan. Yeah. Why is it that all the movies that do like really cool viral marketing are scary movies?
1: That's a good question. I think it's because the the having a scary movie crossover into the real world has a lot more of an effective uh, impact on a potential audience than, say, a rom-com. Like if you were to turn around and just see meat cutes everywhere, you would probably think this (laughs) stakes. I do not want to be here.
0: I mean, maybe, but like, I I think maybe they did it with Despicable Me where they hid like minions everywhere. But like mm. if they had done it with Inside Out where you just see like that elephant creature everywhere.
1: Uh, oh, the 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 imaginary friend who dies and I felt nothing and everyone thinks I'm a monster <laughs> when I'm like, even in the context of the film, this character doesn't yeah. actually exist. So that's why I don't care. That
0: wasn't what I was alluding to, but I'm glad I gave you an outlet to like express your feelings, Jonathan.
1: I I get a lot of flack for thinking Bing Bong's death doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Like, whatever.
0: (laughs) Uh no, I it it was it was okay. Uh it would have been cool. Um, but yeah, anyhow, the new movie, Scream, is doing some viral marketing. Um, and people have been kind of scared and calling police because there have just been ghost faces faces like
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's been about. Uh, Ghostface, uh, the killers, not the not the not the Wu-Tang Clan member, but but the <laughs> Ghostface killer has shown up in a few cities like New Orleans and St. Louis and a couple of others. Uh, and it's all been part of a a viral marketing campaign to promote Scream 6. It's kind of similar to how when Smile was coming out, uh, the movie studio hired actors to sit behind home plate at baseball games and then try and crack the, that super creepy smile into the camera so that whenever the camera was focusing in on the batter, you could see in the background, someone smiling that creepy smile. I just think how much your face must hurt at the end of a baseball game. Right? Like, cause those games, they're long, man. They last like three hours, but um, anyway, so this is one of those little things where, it's bringing that marketing into the real world. I think it's kind of a nifty idea, I suppose. I don't know how much it's boosting awareness of Scream because I think that that's just one of those properties that anyone who's into horror is already well aware of. So I don't know like how it's yeah. contributing to the bottom line, but I I like seeing stuff like this.
0: Yeah, me too. Um we've said it in the past we like creative marketing other than just showing us more and more clips from the movie. You know, I don't want to be one of the people in the ghost face costumes and have the police called on me. Um, They are also, they are, they are also pairing it with their Twitter account, which is a little cute. Uh, But speaking of nightmares, it looks like Dune, the sisterhood, the prequel series that we've been uh, hearing about is facing some nightmares or nightmares to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we only know little bits and pieces about this. Uh, the, officially, Dune the Sisterhood was always supposed to be going into kind of a hiatus after uh, a certain amount of production, which the the show now is in. Uh, that's the official line. Whether that's true or not is a matter of debate. What we do know is that uh, Johan Rink, who had been signed on to direct the, the first two episodes, is no longer part of the project. They're going to have to get a replacement director for those first two episodes. One of the leads in the series, Shirley Henderson is also exiting the the series. So her, her whole role is going to have to be recast with somebody else. Uh, There's one of the co showrunners has stepped down. It just sounds like, like whatever was going on with this project was not going in the, like there must've been a fundamental disagreement at the studio level about where things were going and it could not be reconciled. That's the only conclusion I can come to. Uh, but it's not like anyone's willing to come forward and talk about this because that's unprofessional. It's a great way to stop getting work in the industry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, it, it's an interesting concept for a show um, to focus on the Benny Jesser. more, So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Something else we uh, have been able to see, kind of, are uh, some images from the new Disney Hercules musical that just opened at the Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey.
1: Yeah. So uh, it's obviously a stage adaptation of the animated Hercules film, which uh, came out many years ago at this point. Uh, and I was curious about this because uh, I've been on several Disney cruises, and Once Upon a Time, Hercules the Musical was one of the uh, shows that you could see on the Disney Cruise Line. And I was curious to see if they had kept any of the the jokes and the the meta commentary. And it appears they did not. It's it looks like this is a completely different. Uh, adaptation of the source material they've added new music new songs and uh, the reviews i've seen have been pretty middle of the road like nothing like they, no one's panning it but no one's praising it either they're mm-hmm. praising performances they say like some of the performances are phenomenal but it it doesn't sound like the critics have been won over quite so much um to this stage production which is a shame because i mean uh, this is one of those disney films that i uh i think the film itself is okay but i think the music is phenomenal
0: you see i was gonna say the same thing middle of the road but great performances the actual movie the music was great i didn't care about the story i was actually kind of you know i was like oh i love the the myths of hercules and greek mythology and i don't want disney to mess with it at the time i was i might have still been a little bit better about the little mermaid at that age um but uh you know for disney to make it family friendly they definitely have to mess with greek mythology some um yes yes that's true but you know the music is great i love the music from the movie i was familiar with the music well before like i'd be like oh i love this song and be like it's from hercules what um (laughs) so i i i'd be interested to see it if it comes on like a touring show to atlanta the thing that i absolutely love is just like The costuming, the people that they cast at the paper mill look very much like the characters I expect. Um, And then um, Megara's Megara, Megara, Megara. Megara's costume is a pants, like pants, corset, tunic set. And I love it.
1: Yeah. uh, Megara also, I would say, has the best song in the entire film. Like, I won't say I'm in love is possibly it's up there for like my favorite I, Disney songs of all time.
0: I I don't know the name of it, but the one that the muses sing that's bless my soul. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> yeah, zero to hero.
0: Yes, uh, is
1: one of my favorites. Um, yeah, yeah, the gospel. The decision to make the muses gospel singers was really interesting. Um, I'm very curious about what the thought process was behind that. Like, I don't not that I disagree with it. It's just such a a unique choice. To go yeah. gospel, which obviously has its connections to Christianity, and you're using it for a Greek mythology. Uh, I don't know what the thought process was behind it, but I do love the music.
0: It 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 really works within the context of the 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 story that Disney put forth forth as like setting fun feels. Uh, you know, Bradley Gibson plays Hercules. He looks like there's a picture of him on the Playbell article that gives us all of the pictures. There's only six. Uh, I don't know. He just gives off perfect Hercules vibes to me.
1: Yeah. He's got kind of like a wholesome look to him and the dude is buff.
0: Yeah. 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 So um, that if you are excited, uh, you know, I have family members who absolutely love Disney's Hercules. So they will be excited for this because they're also uh, in that area of the country. Um, (laughs) So that's what also, also uh, we don't have it in our notes, but uh, along the lines of theater, Billy uh, Boyd and uh,
1: Dominic Monaghan,
0: yes, are performing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead up in Nova Scotia in January and February.
1: Super cool. January, February of 2024, just yeah. in case you were worried that we had somehow aired these episodes out of order.
0: Super cool. And also super cold because January, February in Nova, in Nova Scotia.
1: Nova Scotia. Uh, <laughs> uh, we I actually did you see the little YouTube video where they did the announcement together?
0: I did not know. It's
1: it's very cute. It's very cute. They as they talk about the fact that they're doing this show, and um, uh, uh, I left the very first comment on that video, which was that looks like I need to visit Nova Scotia.
0: Yes, I. Nobody has been able to beat out uh, Gary Oldman and Tim, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Yeah. For me and, and Richard um, and Dreyfuss
1: seen... too. Richard Dreyfuss is yeah. great in that movie.
0: I mean, that whole movie is great. I've seen some great casts do it and I've been a part of some productions of it. But, uh, you know, these two, these two have the best chance of of knocking off my favorite performance of it.
1: I would I would love it. So its, it's one of my favorite plays of all time. Uh, it's mm-hmm. I absolutely adore Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Also, fun note, it's one of two plays that I dropped out of.
0: Oh, that's sad.
1: The other one was Hamlet they were being yeah. done and rep and I dropped out of both of them which, at the same which, time,
0: which is fun because Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is one of my favorite non-musical plays. And the other is I hate Hamlet, mm-hmm. um, which is a romp. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how to segue into this next story. Well, I, uh, I can,
1: I can. Hey, h- how do you, how do you express how you are not right for a part that you were never asked to play in the first place? Well, you can ask Taryn <laughs> eh, Egerton because Taryn Egerton has said that. He said he will not play James Bond, that he's not right for the role. And also he was never approached and no one ever asked yeah. him to do it.
0: <laughs> which, which, you know, just goes to say, like, you can't, you got to verify your information because there is so much rumor going around about him possibly taking it.
1: Yeah, I just I loved that when I because I saw the thing, and I was like, huh, I know that there was like speculation because there's always speculation about who will be the next James Bond, right? Idris Elba was a name that was being kicked around for years. And I think people have finally kind of given up on that, even though I think he would have been a truly phenomenal James Bond had they gone that way. It's uh, already Luther yes, he's already Luther and he's, he's, he's great at whatever. Like he doesn't need James Bond to establish himself or anything. He's phenomenal. Um, I don't think, you know, it it really just says that the speculation had nothing underneath it. Like there was no, there was no evidence or even hearsay that kind of fed into it. It's literally people just blue sky fan casting the role of James Bond. And the question is, do they end up going with someone who is already, recognizable and therefore kind of a box office draw or do they go with someone who is relatively unknown and depend upon you know james bond the brand having the draw and then this can end up being the, the series that establishes that performer we still don't know we just know taryn's not doing it
0: yeah i'd prefer the latter um
1: just me pretend. too like i i I also would prefer that. I don't know if that's what they're going to do because like, I mean, James Bond is such an important tentpole franchise that uh, I would see studios wanting to try and lean on at least a, a, an established name. If not, like you probably wouldn't go necessarily top, top of the line, but an established name uh, because I don't think they would want to risk their tentpole franchise having duds, even though we know the duds really come from the writing side and the directing side more than the actor side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to continue to wait and see because we're going to get so many James Bond movies. Um, uh, Something we're not going to get much more of is Star Trek discovery. Uh, The next season coming out, which is being pushed to 2024 will be the final season.
1: Yes. After five seasons, which, you know, if it's a good run, it's a good run. If memory serves, that's how long the original enterprise mission was supposed to be. It's had a five-year mission. Like yeah. if you go back to the original series and the opening, this is a, it, it's five-year mission to explore new worlds and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think there's an interesting little poetry there. You know, it rhymes as uh George Lucas would say. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's fitting. Uh, I I'm not a fan of Star Trek Discovery, but for those who are fans, I hope that they continue to enjoy the series for the final season. And I hope that the conclusion is satisfactory to all the fans out there.
0: I, I was not a fan of Star Trek Discovery. Um, I definitely at first. I I like it now. Um, It took me most of the first season and part of the second season to really get into it um but i also do feel like they're like that where the last episode ended they're kind of at a point that like they can always come up with more stories but at a certain point it becomes less poignant you know Mm -hmm. so i think i think it's good that they're maybe saying okay let's let's call it quits uh for whatever reason but also the fact that it's moving to 2024 means hopefully they'll be able to wrap it up in a neat little bow that is satisfying to all
1: yeah uh if you are a fan of 20th century films like planet of the apes or predator or alien uh i got some good news for you marvel's launching a comic book line which is essentially putting into comic book form these classic film stories so uh, they're starting with planet of the apes but that's just the first one and i'm sure there will be many many more to come and yeah Just thought we would throw that in here. This probably could have gone in thirty seconds or less. Actually, no,
0: I'm I'm actually excited about it. Look, the way that I read Frankenstein and Dracula uh, in grade school was via comic book. So, Mm -hmm. but they were like uh, comic, they were comic versions of the actual stories. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, Maybe with a few little bit, like a few of the couple, like Dracula has a lot of tawdry bits. Um, (laughs) So. A lot of very, it's got a lot of steamy bits. So like they were still in there, but they weren't graphically in there Mm -hmm. because it was a, it was a great school comic book. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. You know, some of these, some of these things are easier for people to digest in a, a a written uh, paper, you know, on the page format, as opposed to a, an acted out format. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It'll be, uh. Uh, I I always like to see these stories get different kind of approaches in different media because it it gives storytellers an opportunity to explore something from slightly different perspectives. And you might get something different out of one version than you do of another. And it's not necessarily better or worse. It's different. And I like it when a story can stand up to that, Uh, as long as it, it doesn't end up being a comic book where it feels like, Oh, this almost feels like the, the uh, storyboard for the movie, right? Like it feels like this is almost frame for frame, you know, stills from the film. I can go without that kind of stuff, but yeah, I I like to see artists and writers get a chance to, uh, to take a crack at something and put their own spin on it.
0: Uh, Which is also what we're getting with the new Hellboy movie coming out. Yeah.
1: Okay. yeah. So Hellboy, the Crooked Man, it's going to be a new Hellboy film uh, and it's going to be a new Hellboy, like it's new actor. Uh, It is not uh, Ron Perlman. It's not David Harbour, who both have played Hellboy in the past. The last Hellboy movie was largely seen as being a total catastrophe. Uh, It was a bomb. A lot of Hellboy fans were really disappointed in it. The creator of Hellboy is actually writing the screenplay for this one. So at the very least, it should be very true to the, the, the spirit of the comic book. And uh, this one is set in the past. It's not like a, a modern day setting. So it will be very different. Uh, and, uh, you know, the very first Hellboy film that came out, I thought was really entertaining. I had not read the comics at that point. Once I did dive into the comics a little bit, I realized, wow, they made some dramatic changes to some of these characters because that clockwork Nazi character wasn't nearly as dangerous and and capable in the comics as as he was in the film version.
0: It's interesting because they've cast it looks like they've cast Jack Kessie as uh, Hellboy in this new movie. Mm -hmm. Um. Or at least that's what reports are saying. And he was uh black Tom Cassidy in Deadpool 2. Um, but he's almost, I don't know. Ron Perlman and David Harbour I think, are both attractive but very unique gentlemen. Yeah. And Jack Cassie might look a little too like Hollywood pretty. He he looks almost like um if Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Gosling had a baby.
1: I figure if uh, first of all.
0: In fact, that's exactly what's if Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Gosling had a baby.
1: This Ryan is squared. Ju-
0: yes, this is who he would be. Like,
1: uh, listen, <laughs> can we not talk about this because it's like getting my heart racing a bit, and I need to like calm down. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what I would say first of all, uh, you know, eight hours in the prosthetics chair can change a, a guy a lot. So, um, yeah i i will I will withhold any judgment or enthusiasm until we get closer to it. Because uh, while I enjoyed the first Hellboy movie, the second one didn't do much for me. And I wanted to see David Harbor's Hellboy. But by the time I had the opportunity, the word was out and it was so negative that I was just like, I don't think there's any way I can go in with low enough expectations where I'm going to enjoy myself. So I never did see it.
0: I did watch the David, David Harbour one. It was not a great story. It was it was a pretty weak story. There wasn't. There wasn't much and it wasn't fantastic, but David Harbour did a phenomenal job and I just enjoyed watching him in the role. So,
1: well, he's great. uh, And uh, I've had a conversation with him in real life and he was super nice and funny and probably desperately looking for a way to get out of the conversation with me. So uh, I, I have no doubts he would have been great. So if I ever do watch it, I'm sure I'll have the similar response yeah uh
0: we had our last two stories as we come come to the end of this monumentous uh news episode is that uh are both related to the lord of the rings So first is that the return of the king is coming back to theaters on april 13th for its 20th anniversary What? hang
1: on hang on what what anniversary
0: 20th anniversary you said
1: that wrong ariel there's no way the Return look, of the King came out 20 I, years ago.
0: I feel that way, too. I Look, it, it's okay. So it's like the 19th and a half anniversary because it technically came out in December. I saw it for my birthday. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, the, the 20th anniversary uh, it hurts.
1: Yeah, uh, a lot.
0: But also, if you get a big gulp when you go to watch it at the theaters, that's going to hurt, too, because it's the extended yes. version. So yeah. It's going to be like four hours. <laughs> the, yeah,
1: we've talked to, in the past about how we were telling Hollywood directors they need to stop making movies so long. Peter Jackson kind of really got that trend going for, like, obviously, there have always been long, long epic movies, right? There, the Lord of the Rings series was not the first to do that, but Peter Jackson's films were so successful that it kind of led to an era of excess that we're still in today. And seeing that they were going to do the extended version for a film that has since it came out, been criticized for having too many endings. Yeah. It's, it's just very funny.
0: Look, I didn't mind it at the time. Um, and I actually own the extended versions of all three films, but so do I, Yeah. but, and I enjoy them, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'd want to watch the extended version in the theater. Uh, although it would be interesting to see how it holds up on the big screen. I think the visuals still look fantastic.
1: I think so too. I don't think so. Uh, my enjoyment of the Lord of the Rings series decreases with each successive movie. Like I really love fellowship of the ring. I really enjoy two towers. I like return of the King. And when it gets to the extended editions, then it goes to, Oh wow. I really, really love fellowship of the ring. Uh, I like two towers a little bit less now. And then, (laughs) oh my God, when is this movie going to be over? Return of the King.
0: (laughs) Look, look, Return of the King has Billy Boyd singing in it, which is beautiful.
1: I just, I mean, I think, well, there there there's certain things that I do think are important, like seeing what actually happens to Saruman, for example. So it's nice to have that in the Return of the King uh, extended edition. But they also... I think the other problem I have is it's hard for me to let go of my love of the books because I've loved the books since I was a kid. And, and as you go on, I would say that the two towers has more departures from the books than fellowship did, even though fellowship didn't include everything. It's not like we had Tom Bombadil, but he would not have fit in that film anyway. Mm. Um, And then return of the King takes even more departures than two towers did. And I think that might be why, I enjoy each successive film a little less. I don't think that's fair necessarily. I don't say that my opinion is the right one. That's just how it hits for me. Uh,
0: look, that's how I feel about the never ending story movies. The first movie follows the book pretty well. The second movie kind of follows the book. And the third movie has absolutely nothing to do with the book. You guys never ending story is like the first two movies are only like the first third of the book. And the well, book is amazing.
1: Of course. Cause the book doesn't stop. Or else it would be false advertising.
0: Oh, ha, ha, ha. it like there's an end to what you can read, but the story goes on. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's OK. If you don't want to go watch Return of the King all four hours at the theaters, you can just go to the UK and do the immersive uh, musical that's being put on.
1: Yeah, the entire Lord of the Rings saga. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they keep and what they leave out, because presumably this is not going to be an eight hour experience. Yeah. I Uh, I mean,
0: it's outdoors. I can't imagine you could do that successfully.
1: No, especially in the UK where like it could rain at any minute. Uh, yeah. So it's a musical. It's an, it's outdoor theater. Uh, I am both intrigued and convinced this is going to be a total disaster. Uh, I think I think of it as a total disaster because of all I think of it from the, the production standpoint, I think of all the things that can go wrong with theatrical productions and then how that is complicated when you're talking about an outdoor venue and then further complicated when you're talking about immersive elements and it's just, you've set the bar so high and then you're making it a musical, which is really tricky to do in a way that doesn't come across as uh campy or comedic. Uh I'm not saying it's impossible for them to get it done. I'm just saying like if you were to pitch this to me, I'd be like, "Listen, someone better than I am needs to take on this job."
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you can do that. You can um see how much you should go to the UK and see how much of a uh weird thing it is and then you can also go watch the Great British Bake Off uh musical. That's also happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um, I am morbidly curious about this. Also, I wonder if they're only doing it for one day, because they're they said they're doing it for Bilbo's 111st birthday. So is this like a one and done production? Because it sounds to me like it's going to be really involved. They're talking about having like puppeteers and stuff to to represent all the different creatures and. You know, you just think about all the work that has to go into something like that. If it's a one performance and that's it, that's really crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a little it's a lot. I mean, it sounds interesting. I I hope that they catch like video of it or something so I can I it won't be the same because I won't be immersed, but Right. I can uh, watch
1: it. I, I honestly I don't feel like I need to be immersed in hobbits. That's probably a little too hairy for me.
0: Ha ha And on that note, we're going to um, end this episode.
1: Fair enough.
0: Yep. Uh, If you have thoughts on anything we've talked about, uh, please write us and tell us. Uh, You can do so on Twitter. We're LNC underscore podcast. On Instagram, Facebook, and Discord, we are Large Nerdron Collider. Or you can email us at largenerdronpod at gmail.com.
1: Or if you want to have the direct line to me, what you must do is immerse yourself in hobbits. I'm talking neck deep, which means you need at least two layers of hobbits. And you immerse yourself in them, and then you say, does anyone want a crumpet? What will happen next defies explanation. And I feel you will be a changed human being when it is all said and done, but just as things ...are about to go dark as a swarm of hobbits climbs over you. Shout your question up to the heavens, and I shall hear it, and upon your recovery, in hospital, two weeks later, I will whisper into your ear the answer you seek.
0: I am... I'm glad... I'm glad that took the turn that it did, because... I feel like it's it's murky water telling people to immerse themselves in hobbits.
1: Um, yeah, you don't want to do it too much. It is hobbit for me.
0: OK, well, until next time, uh, I have been Ariel. Uh, I'm very tired, Caston.
1: <laughs> and I am Jonathan. Get your hands off my Bilbo Strickland. <laughs> the Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin MacLeod of Incomptech.com